Podcast with Team and Taylor. We are on, where are we at? Episode 8. Um, after last week's episode on fear, man, we've covered some really cool topics. We've had meditation, intuition, fear, and it was cool. I thought last week when we talked about how all of them are a little bit related, um, some we don't want to get redundant, obviously, um, but it is interesting how all these things are connected to each other. And I think with our working title today, it's going to be a little bit more of that. We're going to dive a little bit more into presence. Um, and I've thought about that over the last couple of weeks, or I guess the last week since we've decided on doing it. And it's it's closely related to meditation in my mind. It's closely related to intuition in my mind. Um, it, it does play a role with fear as well. So I think it's related enough to where I feel like we're kind of just trucking down this path to sort of identify areas in which we can continue on our own personal growth um, and ways that we can cultivate our intuition and strengthen our own presence. Um, but I guess before, sorry for jumping right in that, but before we go down that road a little bit, um, just want to kick it back and forth with Taylor a little bit on some feedback we've gotten. We do have a, a special guest in-house today, which is really cool. This is our going to be the first episode in which we have sort of an industry expert, I would say, to join us, which will be super cool. Uh, we also have another first today. This is the first time Taylor and I aren't sitting in person staring at one another. We're staring at each other on a computer screen, um, and our guest is uh, three quarters of the way across the world. So I'm happy that we could work it out to where we're all here together to talk about presence. And Taylor, how are you today, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited to cover this topic. I actually think I remember in our first one, I think it was first podcast about why we decided to do a podcast. I think there's a lot of things that we touch on. And again, I know there's overflow in these topics to your point, but presence is one that I, I think I mentioned it in that first episode of like, if I could just choose one thing, it'd be like, just be present right in the moment. Because I think we can overthink things in our life and, and that sort of thing. So this is one that like, I don't know, I really love talking about. And I think that no matter who you are, or where you're at, like nobody perfects it. It's like this constant challenge that we all have to try to like be present in the moment. Um, so yeah, super pumped to talk about it. Yeah, me too. Just any thoughts or feedback from our last couple episodes? I mean, I think we've been getting some pretty cool engagement from friends and family and others. Um, several texts and messages and calls and recommendations. And I guess I just want to take this time to say like, we appreciate the feedback and um, would like anyone to reach out with potential guests or topics or thoughts. I mean, we enjoy, you know, doing all this on our own, but it's certainly more valuable. I think when we introduce people that have a different knowledge base or a different background or um, skill set than we do. So yeah, uh, to your first point, awesome to hear people's feedback. I kind of got some good feedback around they like hearing like our specific stories related to like topics that we're talking about, which is easy to do because we're human beings. And so when we talk about fear and intuition and stuff, like well, we all go through that, right? You never perfect it. And so, yeah, it's good to get that feedback. I think it goes with our theme about trying to, you know, being vulnerable and how that takes courage and I think actually like propels you forward on self-growth. And then the other piece that you had mentioned that we had talked about kind of offline that I think is really cool and we wanted to make sure it comes across in our podcast is like, I don't know, Tina and I are both white guys, almost the same age from the Southeast, born and raised, 
And so I think it's really cool, at least in, in this episode, to bring somebody in who's from a completely different background, not a guy, not from the southeastern part of the U.S. And uh, yeah, just has very different experiences. And we just value like diversity and stuff. I don't want anybody to look at this and say like, well, this is only relevant to this specific demographic. So kind of along the lines of what you were touching on, Dean, excited to have somebody um, else on today. So. Yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate you mentioning that. And um, I guess just another reminder, like we'll mention a lot of this stuff in the show notes. So check there for some background and information on our guest and other things like that that we mentioned. But yeah, man, uh, I agree with everything you said and I appreciate you laying it out so beautifully for us. So, man, how about introduce our guest, if you don't mind? I was laughing. I feel like I just talked about this person and like said five things and I was like, they do actually have a name. And they're, and they're sitting here. (laughs) Nicole Griffin is our guest. Uh, Super excited to have Nicole on. Um, She can take us through more of her story, which I think is like super cool and unique. um, Like all of our stories are, Um, but I always enjoy hearing her story and how she's kind of like created this really cool life for herself. Um, But we actually met, I guess technically we met in grad school. So Nicole and I both did the, international MBA program at the University of South Carolina. Um, we had, I think, if I remember correctly, like 92 people in our program. And so it was like a decent size. And we all spent the first kind of summer session, so a couple months, and then the whole um, fall semester on campus. But somehow Nicole and I didn't really know each other that well. I mean, we definitely knew of each other because you know our program wasn't massive. but. Uh, we weren't really great friends in the program, um, which didn't have, I don't think, very many classes together. And after that six month period, she kind of went to, to the Arabic track and studied in Morocco. And I went down to Mexico and then we both graduated at different times because the length of her program was different than mine. But um, we both kind of stayed in touch with our with each other through our friends, I guess. So we had a couple of really good friends, one of which Lavinia, uh, one of our, our friends were both very close with would always mention like you guys need to connect i think y'all would really get along and that sort of thing and so about a year ago today right before i was about to do my road trip lavinia put me in touch with nicole um because nicole had done a similar road trip kind of moving back to california across the us and so i called nicole up and uh was kind of picking her brain on a few things and and we got along and have just kind of continued the conversation outside of road trip pointers and more about just discussions about life and things like that which is very similar and kind of fits in line with our podcast themes. But yeah, I feel like we've become really good friends over the last year, even though we haven't actually seen each other in person. I never made it out to Colorado or to California on the road trip. But yeah, that's kind of how we know each other. It's an interesting friendship that's kind of developed over the course of the last year. But yeah, I thought it'd be cool, Nicole, if you could like kick it off and just give us, I, I know it's, it's hard to tell your story, especially with such a short period of time. But yeah, if you could kind of give a background to the audience, I think it'd be helpful. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you guys and to be talking about presence, which is one topic that I'm obsessed with. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with you more today and happy to give you a little bit of a background about who I am and the lens that I'm bringing to the conversation. Um, So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, born and raised, and I'm living there now lived in a bunch of other places around the world and around the U.S., but that's definitely my home. Um, I studied abroad in Turkey in undergrad and kind of fell in love with the Middle East and North Africa, studied Islamic art history, 
and then was uh, had such a defining transformative experience in Turkey that I was really just kind of chasing that and looking to repeat that experience, which is what brought me to the Moore School and which is why I moved from San Francisco to Columbia, South Carolina, which I don't think I would have done had that program not had an Arabic track that I was kind of had my eyes on. But yeah, that program took me back to the region for a year. So I started in Morocco, which is actually where I am now also. Um, I'm about to lead a retreat here in a couple of days. And um, so I started that year in Morocco and then moved to Jordan for the summer semester and to Lebanon for the fall semester. So I was abroad for a full year studying Arabic, went back to school, graduated, and to kind of just back up a little bit because I think this is relevant to kind of how I got to where I am now. Other than the fact that I was really interested in spending a year in the Middle East, I think arguably if I were somebody who believed in mistakes that I would consider business school to be a huge mistake and a very expensive mistake because I got there and just didn't thrive. Um, I think looking back now, I can see that that was kind of the apex of me trying to force myself into a mold that I was just never going to fit into. And that created a tremendous amount of stress and burnout and like ultimately like an existential crisis by the end of school. Um, I had always done really well academically and I got to grad school and the very first midterm that I took, I failed. And I kept repeating that experience. I kept just not doing well in school. And I was questioning all of my life decisions and it was really, really hard for me actually. But I made it through, and the way that I actually made it through school was by connecting with Dr. Robinson. I don't know if you remember him, Taylor, but he was our entrepreneurship professor. Um, he did the entrepreneurship competition with us, which my my team actually won because I was on Lanford's team doing hunt stand, which again, huge <laughs> culture shock coming from San Francisco, <laughs> moving to Columbia and then building a business around hunting. But anyway, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Anyway, I developed a good relationship with Dr. Robinson, and he kind of took me under his wing when I got back on campus after being abroad. And I was like, Dr. Robinson, I got to graduate early. Like, I can't do this. I can't be here. This is not where I, this is not a good environment for me. And he saw me. He gave me this ex really profound experience in business school of me feeling like what the hell am I doing here? This is a mistake. And he saw me and he was like, no, like you do belong here. You just have a different lens. And you've just had this really like empowering experience. It's really profound experience in the Middle East and North Africa for a year. And you have so much wisdom from that experience that you need to do something with, otherwise you're going to lose it. And so he guided me to do several independent study projects under his wing so that I can graduate early and so that I can kind of chart my own course through business school and not feel like, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I here? And I will never forget to this day, getting to the very end of my program and being ready to graduate in December of 2013 and telling Dr. Robinson that I was gonna move up to DC and find a job. And his face was just like crestfallen. And he looked at me with like, like tears in his eyes almost. And he was like, no, no, you shouldn't get a job. Like you're an entrepreneur. What are you doing? And I was like, no, Dr. Robinson, I don't have any money. Like I need to get a job and I don't have 
I don't have a business plan and I don't have an idea and I don't know like how to be an entrepreneur. But anyway, he really like planted those seeds in my head. Fast forward a couple of years later, I get a job in DC that's not really related to what I wanted to do, but it was kind of, it was a good experience nonetheless. Get let go at the end of 2016. And I had also discovered yoga kind of in this period when I was living in DC and kind of came into the yoga studio post-business school, like burned out, stressed out, confused, like questioning all of my life decisions. And I kind of just came into this yoga studio on my knees and found this sanctuary, this place full of people who are really conscious, who are really intentional, um, found this practice that I had never ever done before. I'd never done yoga before. And it just woke me up. Like I woke up in that studio and I could see myself finally. And I could see how I had tried to force myself into these molds that I didn't belong in. And I tapped into what I would now call presence. At the time, I don't think I knew what it was, but it was just something inside of me that felt really true. And that felt really good. And that I just wanted more and more and more of. And so when I got let go from my job, I was just kind of like at that point where I knew myself well enough to where I was like, I'm not going back. Like, I don't care like how it happens or when it happens or what past what mountains have to be moved. I'm just not going back. It's not possible. And so I kind of took some time, gathered my thoughts, remembered all of the work that Dr. Robinson had had me do. He had me write a thesis. He had me create a, a business plan and put together a website, taking all of my experiences from the Middle East and trying to figure out what to do with them. And by this point, I was a yoga teacher. And so then I was like, well, what if I do yoga retreats in the Middle East and North Africa? And I kind of pull in all this experience that I have traveling and you know, doing deep dives into the culture with wellness and with yoga and with um, kind of community building, really. And so I ended up creating a, biz a business around wellness, which includes yoga, health coaching, and um, yoga retreats. And um, that's what brings me here to Morocco. So I guess that's where I'll stop. No, that's that's awesome. I'm glad you went that route, Nicole, because I, I knew those elements of your story just from like our conversations. And some of it you had told me. It's funny. I remember asking you like, you know, particularly a question around like, how do you when you want people to change and like they're maybe not or maybe that's a bad way to put it. But I remember saying like, I want to expose people like, let's just say if I felt a presence that I've then been able to like identify to your words, I want to be able to like convey that to somebody else, you know, and I want to do that like immediately. Like, how do I bottle that up and say like, this person could really benefit from their life from it as we all could. And you had said something around like planting the seeds and how Dr. Robinson was kind of that person for you. And sometimes those seeds don't sprout immediately, which I think is awesome because I don't know. I think when we look at people who are at different phases in their life along that journey, like if I look at you now, I'm like, oh, this must have been really easy for Nicole to just listen to her intuition and follow her heart. And it was always very clear. But I think your story just showed that, that it wasn't. And that vulnerability, I think, is like really relatable. So, yeah, that was one thing that stood out to me. Um, the other one that I know that we've talked a lot about that I honestly think is like really hard. You said that when you left your job, you took some time 
kind of gather your thoughts and and see where you wanted to kind of go next or what did you wanted to do. I remember when I was talking to you when I was in a similar phase of life and you were like, how that number were telling you, I was like, I don't know how to describe this, Nicole. Like I'm not quote unquote doing anything right now. And I'm like the happiest I've ever been. And simultaneously, ironically felt like I had the most direction and clarity, even though I didn't know where I was going. I know that sounds counterintuitive. And I remember getting a lot of support from you in that. You were like, that's so awesome that you feel this way and you're able to do it. Because I think sometimes in our society, we don't value that. It's like, all right, this event happened, move forward, next thing. And I just think there's such value in taking a step back and like clearing your mind and listening to yourself. And so that was another one that, yeah, of your story that I just thought it just stood out to me and you said it as if it was like this easy thing. I was like, and I just took some time off. We tend to just gloss over that. Like it's almost insignificant, but I think it's one of the most important things that we can do to kind of make sure that we're just in alignment and like going in the right direction. So that's, that's just what stood out to me. Yeah. I, I appreciate that backdrop and I appreciate hearing it from uh, your standpoint right now. Taylor had told me <clears throat> previously that y'all had some similarities um, with went the corporate route, worked for a while, then moved on from that job in one way or another um, and sort of had some some similarities or some parallels in the way that that took place. And so Taylor and I have talked a good bit about his road trip and sort of I've been here with him through his you know last several months journey on that. But I'm, I've enjoyed hearing yours as well, because I'm currently at a point where I'm probably uh, on the cusp of going through some of that myself. So I've been in a corporate job myself for 17 years and I've been very fortunate and I actually do like it and like the people, but I just have sensed maybe a misalignment with myself and the realization that like, that man, there's, there's more out there for me or something different for me that would be more fulfilling. And so when you're in the moment, that's very terrifying. So like Taylor just said, you made it sound fairly easy to talk about that, that period. But if you're willing to face that fear and go through that period, I think what you're saying is once you are aligned with yourself and you're present with yourself, then what comes out on the other side is something that's um, way more impactful and beneficial to the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think when you hear that murmur of your spirit, your intuition kind of rising up and you know what that is, like, you can't go backwards from there. Just It's just not possible. You know, once you wake up to that and you feel that and you're like, you know, impassioned by that, you can't go back. It just, it's not an, even an option. So, you know, the way I see it is like, it doesn't matter what it takes, even if it takes years and it's really hard and there's like one step forward and two steps back where it's confusing, where you feel alone or it's scary or all of that all at once, it's still the road that you have to walk. There's no, there's not another option. I agree. I, I mean, I appreciate that. I, I don't know how much of my history, you know, or if you've listened to our podcast, but Taylor laughs at me. I, there was a period of my time or, or a period of time in my life where I was going to quit my job and sell my house and move to Nicaragua, not on a whim, but kind of on a whim. And I only reached out to him and my brother and another person that I knew would all give me the answer that I wanted. And I guess really what that tells me is that I was already following my intuition, already knew 
in my heart that this is this is the road that I want to go. Yes, I reached out to get validated a little bit, but I didn't ask people who were going to oppose <laughs> to to the route I was trying to take. And so I, that's what I hear from you is that like when you when you hear and feel that pull over and over again and it gets that strong, then you have to be true to yourself. You'd be doing a disservice to yourself and everybody else if you didn't just follow that and listen to it, I guess. Yeah, I think trying to put a lid on your spirit is just a recipe for depression and frustration. That's not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to be a longer, harder road at the end of the day. Man, uh, Nicole, you, when you said the feeling that murmur like inside of yourself, and when you just said put your lid on, but particularly when you mentioned it with a murmur, like it's weird. I got like this sensation in my body and it like almost made me like super emotional because it brought me back to that time when I felt like I felt like everybody else in the world couldn't, not everybody. I felt like the vast majority of the world could had no idea what I was going through and I couldn't even articulate that experience. But I just felt like I was moving in the right direction and there was like that alignment. And I remember it being very clear to me internally, but also very hard because I was still concerned with like the external judgment of other people. And there was like a very select small group that I felt like I could talk to. Um, not that when I got down, but just that kind of gave me the support that I needed at times to be like, just tell me I'm not crazy. And I didn't, I'm not like just high on some fantasy thing because it feels so real to me more than anything in my entire life. And like you guys were two of those people in that small group. I remember like sitting out of the lake team talking to you. I think it was right after I got the back from my road trip or somewhere around there and like being in the water. And I was like, man, I'm just like more content than I've ever been in my life. And then like for you, Nicole, I remember just like calling you up and I'm like, I don't know how to describe this, but I'm just like word vomiting. And I feel like in your mind, that was just like smiling, like, yeah, you're on the right path. Like, just keep following that. You're not crazy. This is yeah. like what we should be seeking. But, oh man, I don't know if that's going out of the direction, but that, I just like, hit me like a ton of bricks when he said that and took me back to that time. Yeah. Well, you're taking me back because I remember, I think it was the very first call we had and the first time we'd ever talked. And I remember you saying that and being like really at peace with yourself. You did not sound stressed out at all to me. And that's what really stood out to me from that call because I coach people through this kind of stuff. And I can tell you that nobody feels at peace with change, especially major life change. Everyone is really stressed by that. And you didn't seem stressed to me at all. You were just like, I know this, like inside of me. Like I have this sense of who I am in the world and I trust myself. And that was just like really loud to me from, from the get go. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, you make that sound simple and eloquent, but it is still terrifying when you're in it. But I think to your point of what you just said, Nicole, is that that doesn't make it wrong. That doesn't mean we should shy away from it. That doesn't mean we should ignore it. Maybe sometimes when that fear creeps up or uncertainty, that, that maybe that means we should double down and pursue it even harder or more um, if that's where we feel our intuition and passion going. Because, I mean, I, I know Taylor has told me several times, like, yeah, it was scary. Like, there's uncertainty. There's fear all those things. But if you, if you feel that pull, then, then that's where you should go. Period. I feel like for me though, you know, and 
you know, we just talked about fear in the last podcast. And I know that these, there's some commonality with all these themes. I would almost say that like the presence piece or your intuition, like that's very clear. You know, I, for me, it's like the fear part, I think like, so when I think about like standing kind of still, so to speak, in a point in your life so that you can like figure out what that next step is and be intentional about it. I feel like my intuition just told me like, you're good. All these other things that I've been ta- told my whole life, it's like, you've always been looking for the next thing, man, like keep moving. That was all like external pressure that was bullshit, but it was very clear in that moment. I think for me, at least because my intuition was like so strong. And so I think back to some of the adjectives that we could describe like with presence and it's like, it's a calm feeling, right? You're not agitated. Cause I think sometimes we make the t- decisions and it's like, I don't know what's right. And you make a decision. And it's like, do you feel at peace with that? Or do you feel agitated? Sometimes for me, I think that's an easy way to describe presence. And like, if I'm truly making a decision that's in line with what I should be doing is when, after I make that decision, how do I feel about it? Not that there's not still some real life, like fear of, well, I'm leaving the workforce and I'm starting my own business or I'm starting my own life coaching business or, you know, maybe want to make moves and be a, a counselor later on. What does that look like? There's some real like fears that we need to overcome in those situations because there's obstacles or like hurdles that need to be addressed. But I feel like at the core of that, there's like a deep sense of like, I know that I'm going down the right path. And it doesn't mean that it's like easy, but you know that it's there. So. And it's empowering once you figure that out for yourself, right? But I think where I was going a minute ago and I got sidetracked in my own mind, which happens quite often, but I think a lot of times the fear pops up initially, the first time we go through something like that, because of man, the way we're conditioned. I mean, me and you talk about that all the time, Taylor, but it's like, we're conditioned to go down this path. Nicole, you said it yourself. Your professor told you, hey, I I recognize this in you. You should be going like, you're built to go down this entrepreneurship path. Like you're a different spirit. And you said, nope, gotta go corporate America or gotta go down this certain path, whatever it was that was conditioned throughout your past to make you feel like that. And then over time, you're the one that has to find it for yourself and discover, okay, this is what I should be doing. Does that resonate? Yeah, that's what planting seeds is all about. You know, you can't hit anyone over the head with this stuff. It doesn't work. Can't tell people what to do, period. People don't like it. Nobody likes that. But you can plant seeds and you can be a walking example of somebody who is living in alignment somebody who knows who they are, somebody who lives their truth, somebody whose actions mirror what they feel inside. You can be a walking example of all of those things and people will see you and people will be inspired by you. And you may never know that, that you're inspiring people. Sometimes they'll tell you, sometimes they won't. But you can still, you know, show up in the world in a way that like offers, you know, another way of being. You reminded me when you said that, Nicole, the, that article that you sent, which I can link in our notes, it said something that stuck out to me that oftentimes when we experience presence, that you're seeing something that's deep within inside you and another person, but you can't always like explain it or something to that effect. And that really struck me because I do think that when we talk about presence, it's really hard to define it. It's more of like a feeling that I had or I've had in like certain situations. And I think we try to do things to cultivate that. But I think that it can be hard to describe that to somebody else unless they've had that own ex- their own experience. But I, I love that article that you sent because it was like, 
I'm seeing this piece that this other person has or whatever it might be. And it just like resonates with you, but it might be hard to articulate. Yeah, I actually have that written down. I can read it if that would be helpful. Please do. I really, really like this article. It's one that I share with my students, my health coaching students, when we talk about presence, because presence is an essential coaching skill. So we really break it down. And I think this article does a good job of like putting a finger on what presence is. And so part of what it says is presence is the outward reflection of your inner world. It advises others that you are in command of your life. Yeah, that's powerful. Taylor shared that article with me as well that you sent, and I, I read it actually right before we came on here. So I certainly highlighted that little piece that you just read. That That's very powerful. Uh, I also saw, I think it was on one of your Instagram posts as I was stalking you before we, uh, before we had this call as well, where you said presence is the best gift that you can both give and receive. Because yeah, like I'm focused on my presence right now. Like I want to make sure that I'm doing all these things, but man, when I'm when I'm out in the world, there is something that you can identify and witness in other people that, and it just makes you feel good inside because you're like, man, I just really understand and respect how that person is in relation to, to what's going on around them. Um, so I haven't thought about it much in that regard from, from receiving presence from other people. So I, I really appreciated you saying that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you can feel a difference, right? Like if you imagine being with somebody who's multitasking or um, they're distracted or they're the kind of person who's just thinking about what they're going to say next when you're talking instead of listening to you, like that feels one way. And then when you're with somebody who's like fully dropped in and listening with their whole body and just really there with you and able to reflect back to you what they heard you say to let you know that, you know, that they heard you. It's a totally different experience. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I don't know. I feel like we all have this deep desire to, to want to be heard, right? Like, and really heard. And like, I'm expressing myself and this person, like, really saw who I was. So, yeah, that, that made sense when you said that. The other one, I feel like you just made me think of this a little bit. I feel like when you're like deeply present in the moment, you're almost in this time warp where like no time's going by and like hours can simultaneously go by. And it's just like it, none of it mattered. Right. Cause like I wasn't thinking about what I had to do after that or all these other things that were going on in my, I was going to say life, but I'll call it life situation. So I saw this quote last week from Eckhart Tolle and I think I was telling you about it, team, when we were talking a few days ago. And I've always felt this way, right? I think that, like, when people are like, hey, how's it going? You know, I think oftentimes our mind, if you give the, the deeper response to that, right, not just the, like, oh, I'm doing well. It's like, no, how really are things? We immediately start thinking, right, about, like, well, maybe this went on in my life or, like, work's going this way or this relationship isn't as good. But that's all related to your life situation and not your actual life because life is lived in the present moment. So I almost feel like there's like two different responses to that same question. Anyway, I thought it was an interesting thing to bring up. I don't want to go down like too far down that path, but uh, yeah, like life is lived in the present moment. Somebody says like, Hey, how's it going? Like, it's just right now, you know, it doesn't matter literally what happened five minutes ago. And I'm not saying those things are insignificant. There's real life stuff that happens that we need to like deal with and overcome. But I think continually coming back to the present moment and just saying like, the future and anxiety doesn't matter. The past and regret doesn't matter. It's literally just right now. It's the only thing we got. 
Yeah, that, that's for sure, man. That's powerful. I thought about it even when Nicole was just talking about, I mean, Taylor, you've said it on our podcast before, listening, just listening, actual true listening is such an underrated thing that we suck at a lot of times, frankly. I mean, we just, uh, Nicole, like you were saying, we, we're listening, but we're listening so we can say what we're going to say next. But man, you never feel as accepted or appreciated as you do when you're just in a good, genuine conversation or interaction with somebody and you really felt, feel heard and listened to. Um, and so I, you know, I try to do that for other people. Hopefully um, they feel that as well, but that's something that I've, you know, really committed to doing. And I know Taylor, you've talked about it several times. It's, it's so important. And, and I think even with our demographic, we had talked about this, like, I feel like people that are in our demographic men in the South, like we have to be tough. We've got to like, And it almost it almost affects our ability to listen and care. Um, I've said several times on here that I feel like people are just busting at the seams to emote and share. But we don't really create that space for ourselves and our demographic and for people in general. It's not specifically about us, but I just think we do a really crappy job of it. Um, I'm in sales. And so I always think about it like it's my job to go in and share my knowledge and tell these engineers and purchasing agents what they should buy and why my product is the best. And I don't know if I'm good at my job or not, but any success that I have, I feel like it becomes it comes from my ability to just sit there and listen to people. And we just talk about life. At the end, sometimes we talk about the products I'm supposed to be selling and sometimes we don't. But that's that's what I can bring to the table. And I feel like that's as important, if not more important than all the rest of the stuff. Sorry for rambling on a little bit there. You know, that's all we do on here really is just ramble on about topics that we're passionate about, which is why I love our podcast. So I love it so much. This is such an awesome topic of conversation and it's super cool to have like a different dynamic with somebody else on. I was going to say too, Nicole, I love, I don't know, it's probably like a month ago or something when we talked and you had, we were talking about something and you said that something we were talking about reminded you of your favorite definition of presence. Mm-hmm. And so you had sent it to me and I kind of had to read it multiple times. Well, A, because it was long. And B, it just takes me time to process something so deep that has like a lot packed into it. So I did want to read that definition. So what you sent me was, it's talking about presence, right? And so it says, I think of it as the experience of knowing and feeling that you're being your most sincere and courageous self. It is autonomously and honestly expressing your values through your actions. It comes and goes, but we recognize it because it quote unquote feels right. And yeah, I just thought that was a good definition. I guess two things that kind of stood out to me were the being your most sincere and courageous self. The courage part to me was like, oh man, because it's really easy to say like, I'm sincere, but I'm living small and in my little bubble. I found that I've gotten like so much like power and strength from like putting my voice out there and being courageous. And it's just incredible for me. Like, I feel like I'm in this time warp of like spiritual growth, self growth over the course of the last year. And it's been these baby, seemingly baby steps to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, some of which was like to you guys, like give credit to you guys, right. For like team pulling me into the podcast and maybe it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And, you know, with you, Nicole, just kind of like making me feel like I was, you know, following something that was true to myself. But that courageous piece like really stuck out to me because I think it's easy to be sincere when you're like living in your bubble and people are coming to you. But what about when you need to like step out and it's like, 
no, I do have something that the world needs to know and people can benefit from it. That can be like really scary. Um, and then obviously just the second part of it was the feels right piece. I think it's just hard to put a, put words around it, but it just feels right. So that's, those were the two things that kind of stuck out to me in that. Yeah. That definition comes from the book presence by Amy Cuddy. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend that entire book because I think it gets really fluffy, but the beginning of it is really great because she really breaks down what is presence and like, how do we measure it? And how do you like, how do you, how do you develop presence? Because presence is a skill at the end of the day. Presence is not something we're born with or that we come into the world already having. It's something that we decide is valuable and a priority and that we work at and we show up every day and we choose presence. We choose courage. We choose integrity. We choose alignment. We choose meditation because it helps us connect to that place inside that feels right, right? It, it's all, it's a, an accumulation of all these tiny little choices that we're making throughout the day and throughout our lives that um, manifest as what we would call presence. I, I appreciate you sharing the sort of your response to, to the definition. And like a lot of the other topics we've covered, it is certainly a practice. And I, I'm glad to hear you say that because a lot of these things that Taylor and I have covered, I feel like before I got into any of them, meditation or understanding my intuition or addressing fear or being present, any of those things, I thought I thought you just do it and then it's over. Like it, it is a constant practice and all of them are, are like that. So I appreciated hearing you say that. But what I was going to ask is like, how do you, how do you balance? So Taylor and I, we say we're obsessed with personal growth. We want to go out there and face the next challenge. And we want to like, go, 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 go and continue to be driven, which I think is important because for me, that's where a lot of my contentment comes from, you know, but we can't just get caught up in like the next thing, the next thing, because that's where the corporate mentality has sort of let us down. It's like the next rung on the ladder, this means success, right? And so how do you balance kind of the, the drive and ambition piece with just like calm stillness presence and, and being okay with, with just being? Yeah. Well, I think I can answer this question in a couple of different ways. Um, but I'll start by saying that they're not mutually exclusive. And I would argue that presence fuels your drive because it's ensuring that you're taking the right actions and you're moving in the right direction and that you're aligned. And presence starts with self-awareness. So you have to know yourself first. You have to be able to trust yourself. You have to have emotional intelligence. So like this is the being side. If we're going to talk about kind of being versus doing, and if you think of it as a yin and yang, where they're in constant relationship and there's a flow back and forth. The being side is the emotional intelligence, the self-awareness, self-trust, presence, um, all of that kind of stuff. The doing side is like your goals and your ambitions and your skills and your strategies and like kind of how it's the yang, it's the masculine. The being is more like the yin, the feminine, but they inform one another. And so you have to start from a place of knowing who you are and trusting that you know who you are. And then you act from there. And then your actions are the right actions. And they're the aligned actions that are aligned to who you are. And that feels really good, right? When you're following the right path and you're taking the right steps in the right direction, that feels good. And that fuels your sense of who you are and your inner steadiness and your inner strength and your ability to trust yourself and trust your intuition. And then it keeps flowing. 
And so it's not like you have to either be calm and peaceful on top of a mountain or in a cave or like a workaholic or, you know, successful professional person. It's both at the same time. And you have to pause. You can't just be go, 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 go all the time. You have to stop and pause and not just be focused on what you haven't done yet or the mountains still ahead, the steps still ahead. But to be able to look back from time to time and be like, damn, I came really far. Like, look where I am now. Like, look what it took for me to get from wherever I started to where I am now. And damn, doesn't that feel good? So you have to be able to keep that perspective in mind. Otherwise, you're just going to be like striving for no reason. And you're going to lose, you're going to lose touch. You're going to lose your sense of intuition, your, your, your sense of intention about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that. Yeah, you, you explained it really well, Nicole. I, I kind of got a uh, sneak peek into that when we were you know chatting on, on WhatsApp yesterday. And I think that that's a really clear way to define like being versus doing because that that's always resonated with me. And when I kind of first heard that concept, like, you know, I, don't know, I think it's from like a, some Eckhart Tolle books you know, a while back. Um, but I think it sometimes be hard to describe. And I think you do a really good job of, of describing that, how the being feeds the doing. And then I feel like it just strengthens it, right? I, I acted in alignment with my values. So like I figured out what that was and then I took action on it. And then it just became like stronger, right? And it was like, oh, wow, now the next action is even more clear than that first one. And then I got stronger, right? It's just like, it's building upon itself and growing and growing. I love the way that you uh, you described that. I was curious, you said there was kind of a second approach that you could take to that to answer that question. I was curious what like the second one was. Yeah, um, I kind of touched on it a little bit at the end where I was saying that you have to slow down, um, which is like the thing that I'm shouting off the mountaintop all the time, right? <laughs> at risk of sounding like a broken record. I'm like, you need to slow down. Because all of this other good stuff comes from slowness and stillness and having the capacity to just be patient. Presence is a body thing. It's not a mind thing. The body is slower than the mind. And in order to access that felt sense of presence, that like calmness, that stillness, that, that fire, uh, um, the fire of like who you are, you have to slow down and you have to learn to listen to yourself and learn to attune to the felt sense of your body and the, you know, intuition is, is our enteric nervous system. It's an actual physiological thing. It sends um, sensations up through our body that we can feel and they're outside of our conscious awareness. We don't necessarily know what it is right away, but we feel it. And if we learn how to slow down and kind of cultivate this literacy, this inner knowledge, this understanding of what those signals are and what is a yes and what is a no and what is the intuition saying, then we can get so much wisdom from that. But we can't do that if we're in a hurry, if we're stuck in a speed trap. We have to be able to build our capacity to slow down and, and learn to listen. Yeah, I, I love that. The uh, You remind me of when I was in the middle of my sabbatical kind of period and figuring out what I wanted to do next. And I was like six months in and I went to visit a buddy in Georgia and his, I was talking with his brother and 
he's like, I think there was a little bit of envy, but he was also like, I mean, like, what do you do every day though? And I was like, honestly, man, like I read a lot more. Like I have some routine of like going to the gym and I do think that that's important. But uh, I was like, I feel like it's allowed me to do the same things that I used to do, but do them at a slower pace. And I don't know if that resonated with him. It was like when I go to Costco, right? If I have like, if I'm not present, whatever the opposite of that would be, like agitated or just moving through the motions, so to speak, I'm like, why is this person in front of me in line not moving? And this person cut in line and why is the line so long? I feel like I would go there and it was just like, it was this just like amazing, completely different experience because I was just like deeply immersed in the moment. And I finally like wasn't trying to just fast forward my life. Like I wasn't trying to just get through my time at Costco to then get into my car, to then come home, to then still not have anything to do, right? And sit down and like mess around on my phone or turn on Netflix. Like, why are we racing through all these moments for nothing? And I think that that can be like very anxiety producing. And I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, even today, of just trying to like get through these certain things. And it's like these check boxes. I did that, I did that, I did that. And it's like, well, now it's 3 p.m., you didn't appreciate any of it. And I'm anxious because I just blew my way through it instead of just saying like, Hey, it'll be okay. Maybe this thing could wait to be done tomorrow. Maybe I do it at a slower pace. Um, and I want to lead into a question with this. One of the things that I feel like has helped me, I I'm really big on these like micro tasks or like micro things that we can do. So I can sit here and say like meditation is great. It can be hard to cultivate a meditation practice like every morning for like the 17 minutes that I typically do. Do I think it's important? Absolutely. I think it's hard if somebody was starting from zero to go right into that. So for me, one of the things that had helped me out, even like when I get in my car, maybe there's like a song that's like speaking to me. I know you're a Bonnie Fair fan too. There's been multiple times where I'm like, just don't get out of your car. Like I'm deeply into the music and it's like, just sit there. And it's actually giving me chills right now thinking about it just because I just slowed down and like sank into that moment instead of just like turning off my car, rushing to get in my condo or whatever it might be. So that was one of these little things that I feel like has helped me that I can do immediately. Right. And cause nobody, people can say I don't have time to meditate. And I would argue that you probably do. I guarantee you have time to sit in your car for 30 seconds and like listen to the music before you like just speed off or when you park in your parking spot, just sit there and listen to it. The other one was this woman, uh, Royal Darling, who lives near my uh, brother up in New York. And she's like a Reiki healer and very intuitive and does some other stuff. And she had talked about like clearing energy, energy. So like when she became anxious or like just feels like maybe she's not her true self. These are my words, not her. Just feels like maybe there's maybe not completely present. Again, that's the way I would interpret it. Maybe she would describe it differently. She'll just like put her feet completely on the ground, like no shoes or anything, and just like stand up and like close her eyes and just try to like generate that presence. So when you talked about the body kind of informing the presence or like being the present piece, that stuck out to me. So my question would be, do you have anything else like that? I feel like these little tips that we can, everybody has 20 seconds that we could incorporate into our lives that can help to just get more in touch with your presence. Yeah, it's a good question. There's so many little things that you can do. I mean, anything that helps you feel in your body, and that can be a wide range of things. And whatever it is for you is 
probably what you should stick with. But, you know, getting outside, taking your shoes off, walking around on the ground is great. Lying down on the grass, feeling the sun on your skin, smelling a flower, smelling like trees or whatever plants are around you, getting out in nature, um, breathing, any kind of breath work is helpful. And then also when you're standing, focusing on your feet. So if you were to stand up, you can bend your knees a little bit and kind of sink your weight down into your legs and into your heels and into your feet and really put your awareness there and your awareness, or you can do it seated too. Put your awareness on the parts of your body that are contacting your seat and really focus on that. Like my sitting bones are on the seat. My upper back is against the, the back of the chair. My feet are on the ground. Those kinds of things are helpful. That's super helpful. I, I love all those little tips and tricks, so to speak. I mean, all of the stuff that you just said, it, it's it's so simple, right? Like, I mean, we already talked about how we get in a hurry and we miss all of all of these things. But the stuff that you just said literally takes seconds. I mean, barely even minutes. Um, and and if they kind of recharge us or give us a little jolt of presence uh, in, in the middle of a day, no matter what you're doing, like, why are we not taking a few minutes or seconds to just give that a shot? And I feel like we're all in a rush. I mean. Uh, Taylor, like you were talking about, I mean, we're not doing, we're doing so many things. We're trying to pile more stuff in our day and trying to get as much done as we can. And that's some of the conditioned, you know, thought that we have. And and I've certainly been guilty of it myself. I mean, I woke up this morning, I did a school assignment before I started working and then I worked and then I had lunch and then I have this podcast during my lunch hour. I've got class tonight until 830. You know, there's just all these things going on. And I often think, man, I'm celebrating myself for doing all these things. I'm doing none of them justice. I'm not, I'm not really present. You know, I'm rushing through the papers I'm writing in my school program. And Nicole, I'm going back to get my master's in rehabilitation counseling, which is a strong passion of mine. And I get frustrated with myself because my company pays me money. And so I have to do that part justice. But where my passion is, is in the master's program. And so the truth is neither one of them are probably getting enough energy and effort, you know? Um, and that's why I asked you the question about balance and the, the ambition with, with the other side, because I do work at it and I understand it's a practice, but it's difficult sometimes. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What, what are some things that help you feel a sense of peace in the midst of all of that you're balancing? Yeah. I, I appreciate you asking that. I do meditate uh, every morning and, and that gives me a good start. Um, just a quick little history for you. I used to drink a whole lot in my previous, previously in my life, not in my previous life, um, previously in my life, I used to drink quite a bit. And I, I would tell Taylor, well, I said on this podcast, I felt like I was catching up every day, like the day was going and I was just running behind it as fast as I could, trying to grab onto whatever little pieces of it I could. And so stopping drinking did, did help that. But then by stopping drinking, I think I started to learn a lot of these practices that help um, to cultivate my presence a little bit more. But I do meditate. I write a good bit. I read a good bit. Um, mostly, I guess I would say I run a lot. And that's my time to really sit with myself and my thoughts. I run with headphones sometimes, 
depending. Um, but a lot of times I prefer running in the woods. I trail run a lot. And so when I'm in the trail, I try to never take my headphones and then I'm just, I'm just out there. So I spend a lot of time in nature and that that's the best medicine for me that I've found so far for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing a lot of things, you know, you know what the things are that feel like medicine for you and that help you stay connected, even though you're busy, you're still yeah. doing a lot of good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's just, it's just a constant balance to strike. And like you said, I, that's why I appreciated you saying it's a practice. Cause I've said that several times on previous episodes because it's, yeah, it's not, it's not fixed overnight. It's something we've got to continue to work at. And one thing I, one thing I wanted to ask you, because like I said, I'm hopefully sort of close to going down a route similar to what you and Taylor have done at different points of your career. On one of your posts on Instagram, I saw where you said, sometimes you just have to blow that shit up and burn it down <laughs> or burn it down. Yeah. Not blow up. Uh, same end result. Yeah. Burn that shit down is what you said. I'm so sorry for misspeaking. I had the idea in there, yeah. but yeah, you said sometimes you just have to burn that shit down. And, and that really stuck with me. And I've thought about that a good bit because I, you know, I don't think that's always the answer. You know, Taylor and I sometimes will get gung ho about like, yeah, like screw it. We don't need, corporate America or whatever, whatever, but like everybody's different and everybody has their own path. And I would argue that as long as they feel at peace and centered and present that anyway, it's not always the right answer for everybody, but sometimes the right answer is to burn that shit down. And, and I want to do it respectfully. I want to do it in a way to where when I leave my company, they're better off than they were when I was there. I want to, you know, all those things. I, it's no disrespect to them. So I guess I'm just asking, you know, when it comes to that point, maybe how do you know? I feel like we sort of already touched on that with the intuition piece, uh, but how do you sort of navigate that process? Because it's one that I'm hopefully getting ready to walk here pretty soon. How do you know what? How do you know, I guess, when it's right to kind of burn it down? And then how do you navigate that transition between this is the this is the world I know I've been with my company for 17 years and it's been like so much energy and effort and I'm, I'm already hearing in my ear like I can't believe you're wasting all this time that you've invested um, like what are you going to do now you're x years from retirement and I don't even care personally about any of that stuff I care about following my intuition and my passion and so I'm just trying to figure out you know maybe how to go about it. I've, I've had conversations with my superiors. Um, I am going to school. I don't even know that that's what I want to pursue. Similar to Taylor, he started taking classes for um, financial advising and decided this isn't what I want to do either. So I'm scared. I mean, honestly, there's a fear factor too. I'm committed to doing something, but yeah, I'm just, I'm nervous about navigating it all and I'm not sure where it's going to lead. Yeah. It's fearful, but you're moving in that direction with the fear, right? You're, you're moving in a direction that feels right for you. And you don't necessarily have to burn that shit all the way down. You don't have to burn the bridge, but you can transition out, like you said, in a way that feels respectful. And so the company's in a good place, but you're ready. Sounds like you are already ready to move on. It's just a matter of finishing your degree or, you know, sorting things out. Um, but you know, it sounds like you're already doing what you know you need to do. And, you know, you're doing it scared, which is where the courage comes in. You're doing it with the uncertainty. And that's where that's where the growth is. That's where all the magic is. When you're feeling fear and you're feeling doubt and you're feeling confused and you're feeling like, ah, I had 17 years of like 
structure and stability and consistency. And now I'm charting my own path through the wilderness and that feels crazy, but you're doing it anyway. Um, so I think, you know, you take one small step at a time and you rest rather than quit when it feels overwhelming. You go into the woods and you take a run and you do your meditations and you talk to the people who remind you what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you give yourself grace and you, you um, remember to be patient. Remember that you're doing this, but that it's a process and it's not an overnight thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it does feel crazy sometimes. And, you know, we're told that it's crazy because it's not, it's not typical where I live. I mean, it's a, it's a different route. And part of why Taylor and I are doing this because we want to empower people also to, to do what they feel led to do. I mean, when I knew is when I felt that pull, but you know, I've, I've, I hear people all the time say, well, shit, I'm nine years from retiring. May as well stick it on out nine years. I mean, nine years, that's a long time. We're going to stick it on out and just do this because I mean, that to me, that sounds absurd. And that actually helps me realize that I'm doing the right thing by moving along because, man, I just cringe when I hear people say stuff like that. Yeah, but different people have different values. Some people value security and stability and consistency. and Some of us don't <laughs> as much. I mean, not, you know, not right to say that we don't value it, but we're not going to necessarily make decisions based on what's the most like the safest way to go. I appreciate now. Now Tina's also tapped into you for free coaching advice. You already did free coaching for me, so I appreciate. That's really you. what I was here for. <laughs> uh, you know, you guys made me think of something. I think you were kind of touching on it, Tina. And maybe this doesn't apply directly with you because I think that while you're while you have, I don't want to say busy because I think that would maybe in some ways feels like the opposite of presence. But I think you have a lot of interests. My question is kind of around that. I think there's a lot of people that would say. I'm doing all these things in my life. Like I want to feel present, but I'm like pursuing all these different things across different avenues, or maybe I'm concerned with like my career growth. Right. And so I'm like taking certain, certain steps there and maybe getting like other certifications and things like that. I think a lot of people that would listen to this would say like, I'm doing all these things. It's really hard to be present. Maybe I don't want to give up some of that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I was trying to think through this as we were talking and I'm curious on both of you guys perspective on it. Um, I guess maybe to what you were talking about before about the being and doing, Nicole, would you argue that somebody that has these things on their plate? I know we've talked a lot or you've mentioned to me a lot, too, about it being an addition by subtraction process. Like sometimes you actually need to do less. And so part of me feels like if you have all these things and you feel busy, that a maybe a lot of those things that you're doing. And I don't mean busy for a day. I mean, like you feel overwhelmed for a significant period of time that maybe some of those things should be taken off their plate, off your plate, because they're not in alignment with who you are. And I say that because I also feel like when you are doing things that are in alignment with who you are, there's not this sense of like, I'm so overwhelmed because I quote unquote worked for 11 hours today. It's just like, you're almost in this flow state and it's aligned with who you are to your point about your alignment, you know, your, your being aligns, you're doing, and it just grows. And like, so there is no like, I can't wait to get work off of work at 5 p.m. I'm so miserable and it's like draining. I feel like the opposite of that is like, I'm just doing everything that's in alignment with, you know, who I am as a person. So I can quote unquote work till nine, but it doesn't feel like work. And I can't wait to get up the next day to do the same thing. I feel like that's when you just get this alignment and there isn't like 
this is who I am outside of work. This is who I am inside of work. I'm rambling a little bit, but your comments around addition by subtraction, I would also feel like from our conversation, the more things you have going on that maybe some of which aren't in alignment with who you are, I feel like it clouds your intuition and you can't see that even sometimes when it's right in front of you. So I think it's really hard in a world where we're taught, go, 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 do more, do more, do more. And it's like, it's not working for me. It's just like, just keep your head down. It's like, no, that's the worst advice. Maybe sometimes you need to take some stuff off your plate and just rest. Um, so yeah, I just said a lot there. There was a question in there somewhere. I guess my question is like, do you actually agree with that? Or does Taylor not know what he's talking about? No, there's like five things I want to respond to right now. I'm just trying to keep track of. I think that the ultimate expression of this cycle of being and doing is when there's no gap between who we are and what we do. And that's when we're living in alignment. Because when there is a gap between who we are and what we do, that we feel it as stress. And when we get to a point where we know ourselves well enough and we're taking actions that are aligned with who we are and they're intentional and there's a reason, like we know why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just autopilot then we get closer and closer and closer to the state of being in alignment. And that's what presence is. Presence is knowing yourself and being able to courageously express yourself um, and having this like aura about you that other people pick up on and that they can feel that radiates out from this place of like, you know yourself and you've got it together. Um, like your inner, your, what was it? Your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. Um, so the, all of these, again, these streams kind of come together into confluence and yeah, to touch on the subtraction process, I think that, um, when you stop moving through life on autopilot and you start to kind of pause and be like, well, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And you wait to get the answer because sometimes you don't get the answer right away, especially if you're new to like paying attention and like being intentional. Sometimes you got to be patient until you get those intuitive hits. You're like, oh, okay, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, why was I ever doing that in the first place? When you start to kind of take those things off your plate that just don't make sense and are just dead weight, like those are the things you've burned down. Those are the things that you don't need. They're getting in your way. And you start to be more and more intentional about, you know, the actions that you're taking and then it becomes like everything just kind of falls away all that extra stuff can you touch on one thing and this may have been one of the other one of the five that you were thinking about you did a really good instagram story you're hyping my instagram today i am <laughs> which I, I think it's funny because i know you're like we, there's like instagram influencers out there and i know you like tow this line of like i want to put out good stuff and like it's necessary and I love it. So I'm, I'm your Instagram hype person. We already knew yeah, that. I'm trying to like, yeah. <laughs> of course, you know, I'm going to be hyping it up today. Are you kidding me? Um, Except for when you take like a long hiatus from Instagram. Nicole, you keep dropping these truth bombs out there. I thought that like everybody was just like, damn, it's these things that make you like sit back. I actually have to like hold them back on Instagram because I'm like, you know, looking at people's Instagram accounts. But when I get to yours, I'm like, this is going to be deep. You better be ready for it, you know, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, in one of your stories, you talked about, uh, what was it? Uh, you were talking about just right now, you mentioned it when, you, when you're out of alignment, that misalignment is seen as like stress. And one of the things that stood out to me without like doing a spoiler on what you had talked about was you just talked about we live in a society that values like action and doing stuff all the time and how that 
then creates stress. And then we get even like more down on ourselves because we're like, well, now I'm stressed out and I'm not good, but I'm doing all these things. And everybody told me to do all this and now I'm doing it and I'm stressed. And you said something in there that like really stuck out to me where you were like, it's not your fault. Like the society we live in has created these expectations, but like, it's not your fault that you feel stressed out. Can you touch on that? Cause it like really stuck out to me, like liberating ourselves from this like shame or blame that we have related to it was something that like just stuck out in my mind. Yeah. I have that saved to my coaching highlight, by the way, if you wanted to circle back to it, it's, it's gotcha. there. Um, but yeah, I was basically saying like, we live in a society that makes it impossible for us to be well, like the way things are set up, um, the way that we're conditioned to live our lives um, is really antithetical to what it means to be well. And so it's really, it's a losing battle in many ways. We can reclaim our wellness, of course, but I think that that requires us to slow down and step back and wake up and be like willing to see things for what they are. And then once we can see, oh yeah, this is bullshit. Like I'm not going to keep doing this or I'm not going to like stay trapped in this matrix that's just making me sick and crazy and depressed and stressed out. You know, when we can see things and we can start to do things differently. But I think what I was saying in that video was, you know, we live in a society that makes it very difficult or impossible for us all to be well. And then that gets weaponized back on us. Like, oh, it's your fault. Oh, you're so stressed out. Well, why aren't you practicing self-care? Why aren't you going to yoga? Why aren't you getting massage? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Because I don't have time and I don't have energy. You know, most of us in this society are overwhelmed, overworked. We don't have enough help. And we're super stressed out and we're kind of stuck in this fight and flight mode all the time. And then we're being told, like adding insult to injury, like, oh, this is your fault, the way you lived your life or like the decisions that you made, like the, the major that you picked in college or like whatever, wherever you chose to live that makes you happy. It's too expensive. The groceries that you're buying, too expensive. Don't buy a latte, you know, whatever, whatever it is. It just gets kind of piled onto us and it just makes it feel so much worse. There's like this compounding effect. And so I was just saying, like, listen, this isn't your fault. This is just the way it is. You're stuck. Like most of us are stuck in this like screwed up matrix. And it's um, it's really distorted and it's really kind of um, toxic. And I think it, it can go a really long way to give yourself that grace, to give yourself that self-compassion, like put your hands on your heart. This is a self-compassion practice, the simplest, most powerful practice I know hands on the heart. It's okay. I'm okay. You know, give yourself some grace, like see things for what they are and see how you're powerless to some extent within the system and give yourself some slack. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was thinking is we were talking about hyping up your Instagram, but I have a, maybe an odd question sort of specifically, about what you were just talking about, but tied into the social media deal. So you're in Morocco right now and you're getting ready to, to do a retreat, um, which I, I want us to get to that in a second. So I want us, I want you to kind of walk us through what your uh, structure is and how it all works and how people can find out about it if they want to do it, et cetera. Um, but I'm sort of thinking, I also have a 
self-serving reason for asking this. I have this grand dream of having um, similar sort of retreats in North Georgia. I built a couple of small cabins up there in the mountains and that's where I go to find what I'm looking for. And so I hope to have something similar. But my question is, how do you strike this balance? So in today's world, everything is so, so social media heavy, which is awesome because it's free marketing and advertising, which is important for someone that's an entrepreneur um, because it's still a business that you're running to some degree, you know? And so you go to Morocco, for example, and you take all these videos and then you, you know, you video a lot of the stuff that's going on. How do you, how do you strike the, the balance between like, man, I want to capture all this and record all this and share all this because that's super important because I, I want to share it with these people. But also, I've still got to focus on being present and being here in the moment. And that's sort of a hard balance to strike. You know, I think about uh, we live right by a lake here and we go out on the lake in the evenings. And when the sun sets, every single person has their phone out. I'm one of them. You know, like, am I thinking about the sunset? Am I thinking about how it's going to impact the people that see it on my Instagram? Or am I really experiencing experiencing this sunset while I'm sitting here with the people that I want to experience it with? But none of us are experiencing it together because we're all holding our phone up in the air. And and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, but, but sometimes it's just sort of hard to figure that part out. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It is hard. And it's it's a dance, I would say. And I think it requires boundaries. Um, I'm inclined to take photos of things anyway. I'm really creative and artistic, and I love to take pictures, and I notice things, and I want to capture them. And so it's something that I enjoy, like, organically. And then the sharing on Instagram piece is important for my business, definitely. Um, but I'm not sharing like as I go throughout the day, usually I'll kind of like save everything and then post it in a batch once a day and then just leave it. And I usually don't take pictures or take my phone out too much when I'm with people. Usually like I'll take pictures of like the sunset or like a pretty view. But when I'm with somebody, I really want to be present as much as I can. But it is a balance because especially for these retreats, I got all of my bookings for this retreat on Instagram, all of them. And so it's, a, it's an important business tool for me. And it's important that I am capturing what people will experience if they sign up for a retreat with me. And so, yeah, I don't know if I have like a solid black and white answer other than that. I'm, I hear you and it's a dance and I do my best. And there are days where I don't want to deal with Instagram at all, or I don't look at it at all. There are other days where I'm like, oh, I have a lot that I have to like, post or that I like sometimes I just get like downloads and I'm like no I have something to say I need to get on Instagram right away I kind of try to play it by ear and like feel it out and not try to be overly structured or scheduled with anything I was just in Costa Rica two weeks ago my girlfriend and I and we were in a river just beneath the waterfall and it was this beautiful setting and as you can imagine people are taking pictures which again I have zero problem with I'm not saying that people shouldn't take pictures. I, like you, sort of enjoy that process of like, man, I'm really focusing on and capturing this this frame. Um, so there's value in that for sure. And then down to our left a little bit, there was clearly an Instagram shoot going on. You know, and I look at my girlfriend, I'm like, I don't want us to be that. Like, I don't, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting here saying negative stuff about them. And then the next thing we're at, we're riding horses around this volcano. And I'm like, get up here so I can take this picture so we can send it, to, you know, and I'm like, I'm doing the same, you know, sort of the same thing. And it's just tough to kind of tiptoe that little line. Yeah, well, don't do the Instagram influencer photo shoots. That's out. <laughs> yeah, that's out. Yeah. 
Yeah, my butt doesn't look that good anyway because you have to turn <laughs> sideways and do the, yeah. You so, have to see, like, uh, that never... the angles anyway and just figure out which one looks better. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, um, but since we talked about your retreat a little bit, I'd like to create a opportunity for you to sort of tell us, and actually I don't really know that much about them other than what I looked up after Taylor and I started talking about it. So if you want to walk us through a little bit about what you do, I'm really interested. Um, it sounds like you do most of them. Um, not in the United States, which I'm also interested in sort of how all that landed, but what, what took you there and sort of how do they go? Yeah, thank you for asking. My retreats are kind of like my passion project um, for talking about like that inner voice. Like this is the one that's been the loudest for me the whole time. Um, and as soon as I had the idea, I was like, this is definitely it. And then I, so I did my first one in 2018 and then the, I moved back to California and so I didn't do one in 2019 and then the pandemic happened. And so everything got canceled and rescheduled and, but I'm picking them up again. So I did one in October and I'm doing one in March. So far, all three have been in Morocco and they've evolved quite a bit and they're still evolving because I'm, you know, kind of early on still kind of in the phase where I'm doing them and I'm learning a lot and then I'm kind of shifting things around and um, trying different things and figuring out what works. But the i'm kind of calling them now mindful travel retreats or that's what i'm going to start calling them i think and they're really a blend of doing a deep dive into the culture so my intention is to take people only to the places where i've lived so so far it's been morocco but i want to do turkey potentially jordan um, maybe eventually lebanon if the situation there kind of smooths out but I want to take people deeper. I'm, you know, really inspired by traveling mindfully. I've traveled a lot. I know you guys have both traveled a lot, lived abroad a lot. Um, I've been very fortunate to receive so much from my travels and from the people I've connected with and the cultures I've connected with. And I just feel this calling to give that back in some way to like take people off the beaten path, to take people out of their comfort zone, to show them like, a lower to the ground version of Morocco than they would see otherwise to connect them with real people. Um, we also have a social impact component on my retreats that I feel really proud of. So $200 right now, at least I might be able to do more in the future, but right now $200 per booking gets set aside and then is donated to either one or two charities. And that money in Morocco goes really far because the exchange rate is one to 10. So I donated $600 to two different charities a couple of weeks ago, and that becomes 6,000 dirhams, and that makes a huge difference. And so we're giving back, and we're learning about the charities, and we're learning about social issues, and we're really just getting to know the culture in a deeper, more meaningful way. And the other side of mindful travel for me is how we take care of ourselves. And so the first couple of retreats I did were yoga retreats, and then I was kind of slowly moving away from yoga and like kind of really sitting with, you know, do I really want to call myself a yoga teacher? Does that really still feel like a label that fits me? Or do I want to pull out the essence of what I've received from this practice over the last decade and offer that in a, in a way that is a little bit more fluid? And so that's kind of what I'm starting to do now. We have mindful mornings every morning on my upcoming retreat where we're going to go up to the rooftop, the terrace, and we're just going to do like mindful. It's basically like a moving meditation for about 30 minutes. It's like sun salutations and um, joint mobility work and nervous system 
regulation practices and um, like tapping and um, doing different grounding exercises, self-compassion exercises, just so everyone has an opportunity to come together as a group with intention every day, to check in with their bodies, their minds, their hearts, their nervous systems, to get in that practice of like checking in, how do I feel today? How am I doing? What do I need? What is my intention for the day? And to be in community, to be holding space with a group while we're doing that. And then, yeah, to just kind of see the ripple effect of how that taking time and care every day to ground ourselves and support ourselves, body, mind, spirit, nervous system, everything, so that we have more capacity to experience what Morocco has to offer at a deeper level. And so we don't get stressed out or we don't get overwhelmed or we don't get like scared, but we have some resilience. We have some mindfulness. We have some skills on board. Um, and we have intention that we can kind of check back in with so we know what we're doing and why we're doing it. We're not just randomly like on autopilot. So those are kind of like the two main pillars of, of what I'm doing. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. You, you made me think about, I think it was when I told my story and how the, I don't want to put words in, in your mouth, but how some of the struggles that I had to go through to like, when you're in another country, right? It's not always easy, right? Of like, you're just getting adapted to like the culture and the customs and like language and stuff. Um, but being able to like share that with somebody is like so important to me. And I think about your retreat and how like, you're bottling up like, I don't even know how many years of experience that you have and you get to take people from like their U.S. environment and they don't have to go through like all those struggles and like immediately place them like deep within the culture as somebody who's lived in other countries and seen like tourists come. That type of travel for me, like anybody, not anybody, right? There's a significant cost and time component, but anybody, if you have time and money can pay and then go to Rio de Janeiro and, you know, go see like whatever sorts of like um, tourist activities you want to, but to be able to stuff, do that type of stuff. I just think back to my time living in other countries and the things that stick out were never like the overly tourist things. It's like I was at a barbecue at a friend's house or like, maybe that version of your trip would be like, I saw you did like pottery classes with like these like artisans, like on your last retreat. It's so unique to be able to just like go there in a small group and experience that. And I feel like people are just like able to piggyback on like years of you. Like, I don't mean that like years of sacrifice because you liked that. Right. But like not everybody was afforded the opportunity to like, to do that and to be able to gain that experience. Like you could never plan that type of stuff out on your own. And I just think it's the exact type of way that I know everybody on this call likes to travel. And I just feel like it's so unique. And I don't know if that's like a plug for your retreats or what. I know I did connect somebody with retreat, which I was happy about. And I'm like, I love connecting like-minded people. And I was like, you guys need to meet. And so I do have one of my friends from Peace Corps yeah. And Nicole was like, yeah, I'm always worried about like, or, can, or I always want to make sure that people who are on my retreat, like, you know, fit together and have like a similar kind of, uh, that they would just like fit with the group. Right. And uh, I was like really happy to like, this person will fit. And uh, yeah, so I was glad to be able to connect, but I just feel like your the way you travel is like your retreats that you set up. It's just so unique. 
Um, yeah, anyway, I'm rambling, but I'm like a huge fan of that type of stuff. Just because I realize how long it takes to get there. Like if I went to Morocco, I can say like, well, I've traveled before and I've done this. I would land there and have no idea what to do, right? Completely different culture, customs. I don't know the cities. I don't know anything. And to be able to just like leave your, you know, get on a flight, get there, land, and you're like, I've got you from here on out. And you're plugging right into like the deepest levels of culture is the just so unique and awesome. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, it's 15 years of, of on-the-ground experience. I lived in Turkey in 2007. So I've been navigating these cultures and places for 15 years. And they're part of me, like a deep part of me. You know, I'm not here to just skim the surface and check off all the checkboxes, like similar to how you guys get all I know. You know, I'm, I'm here to like walk out my front door and be like, who's going to invite me in for tea today? Like, who am I going to meet? How, how deep can I get today? Yeah. And the Middle East and North Africa is not a part of the world that most Americans feel comfortable just going to. And I think that, um, yeah, that's another layer of it, too. Yeah, that's so awesome. You can create a, a space for people. I mean, you they really do get a free pass to skip you know, a lot of the, I don't want to say work, but man, when you, when you can dive into the, the guts of a place and, and I don't know if that sounds bad or not, but uh, when you can really get there and, and feel like you belong there, that's really something awesome that you're providing for people for sure. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. It feels so satisfying. I can't even tell you after my last retreat in October, I was just like, so high on life. <laughs> I can't believe this is my life. How is this real? How am I pulling this yeah. off? It's just like the best feeling. Does that come with an equal and opposite feeling after the retreat? Is that difficult to navigate? I know a lot of times when I go on a, a big trip, I come home and have a trip hangover or whatever you want to call it. And then it's like this cycle of expectation and excitement. And then, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I call them the re-entry blues. <laughs> I get home and I'm like, oh, there's ice everywhere. It's so nice. It's so convenient. I have a car here. And, you know, it's like my dog is here. And then I'm like, oh, but I miss my other home. You know, there's always like that holding of both. Yeah. Well, do you, I'm curious before we wrap up, I know we've, uh, thank you so much for your time. Next time I'm going to reach out to you and ask you some questions, hopefully personally about this retreat idea that I have. Um, but I won't do it four days before you actually have a retreat like we're doing this time. So thank you, first of all, for being so gracious with your time and jumping on here with us from halfway around the world. Uh, but one more question I just want to ask real quick. I, I read a lot and I was actually walking around a bookstore yesterday and I, it's so hard for me to pick out a book because I want to read all of them. But I did realize that I had read a book from at least every single section in this bookstore. I was walking around. I was like, OK, cool. I, I read this wide range of stuff. But specifically on presence, you mentioned one book earlier. Do you have one or two other books just kind of specifically surrounding this topic that you could share? That's such a good question. I am obsessed with books. I didn't come with one prepared, but there is one that I have on the top of my head um, that's maybe my favorite book of all time and that I found when I first uh, discovered yoga and was it just blew my mind and it's just a beautiful simple book by Thich Nhat Hanh it's called Pieces Every Step do you know that one have you read that yeah I do yeah great one that's one of my favorites and then this other one that I have sitting right here that I've been plugging to Taylor for the last week I just read this 
on Taylor's birthday, unknowingly. <laughs> and I was thinking of Taylor the whole time. I was like, Taylor, we love this book. We need to tell Taylor to read this book. It's called The Sacred Path of the Warrior by Choyam Trumpa. And he's Pema Children's teacher, if you know Pema Children. So this is a good that I just read, but it talks, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of golden nuggets in here, including stuff about presence. Thank you so much for that. I, one of my counseling professors just recently said, if you had your own practice and you had a, like a little small table and there was one book that was always sitting on that table, what would it be? And man, that, that made me think about it in a different way, because like I said, I want a book from every little section all the way around the room. And I was like, I got to pick one book out of all this. So um, those are those are two good ones for I have read Pieces Every Step and a couple other of his books. He is an incredible uh, person who just recently passed away, I think, at the end of last year. But I've read several of those, but I'll definitely check the other one out. So thank you for sharing that. Taylor, do you have anything else? Sorry, I hugged it for a little while. No, no, you're good. You're good. I do have one thing, and I started to think about this as we were, I don't know, at what point in the conversation, you know, we've done a bunch of different, I guess this is what our fourth, like, focus content podcast, but we've also have four other episodes between us about, like, our story, and I think maybe I'm just overly sensitive to this, like, thought in my mind that it's, like, two guys from the South and, like, that maybe if there's like guys that are listening to our podcast or other guys that are out there that maybe some of these topics are like, Oh, like, look at the stuff they're talking about, like going and talking about presence. And like, as guys, it's like, that's like, guys don't talk about like their feelings and stuff like that. It almost feels like more like feminine in some way. And maybe it's just me being overly like sensitive to it. And I guess I just wanted to address it because when you were talking about Nicole and like, I know we feel the same way team, just so like when you're living in alignment and it like gives you this like confidence and you like you're being, you know, kind of like fuels you're doing. And then that just like you just grow and grow and grow. And like, I think I like want to I'm not going to articulate myself. Well, I was just thinking about this as we were talking. Like, I think some of these topics can be looked at as like, oh, you're like expressing your emotions. And that's like feminine. I found that like when I get really in touch with my intuition and like I'm living in alignment, there's like this like deep burning fire in me of like, I know exactly where I'm going and I don't really give a shit if anybody else like knows it or not. And I actually feel like it's the opposite a little bit of like the touchy feely emotional type of stuff. It's just like deep burning drive of like, I'm about to like crush life. And, uh, and I say that because I don't know, I don't want like, if there's like some guys that are out there that feel like this is like, what are they talking about? It's like your emotions and stuff. I feel like it can just generate this like deep, because even for us team, you know, I, I don't know, like if you're familiar with Nicole with like David Goggins, but we're like big fans of David Goggins and he has like a very different approach. It's like, stop kind of feeling sorry for yourself and like get up and do things. And anyway, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm like rambling or if it's even like related, but I just feel like when I start living in alignment, there's like this like deep burning fire and it's not just like oh i'm like sensitive of emotion and like emotional about certain things it's like i'm ready to like kick the shit out of life and there's like this like deep passion inside of me that i feel like comes out it's actually like different than maybe some of like the softer stuff that we talked about i mean even for you nicole i love it because like i look at some of your stuff and if you hear your voice it's like this like calm soothing voice and i feel like you're like very wise and then i like pull up an Instagram post. If I can say this, if it's inappropriate, you can cut it out. And it's like, you know, sometimes you just got to tell people to fuck off. And I was like, well, yeah, sometimes that is what you have to do. 
Yeah. And so I don't know if this is even like related, but I just feel like it's important to say this stuff because it's not all just like this deep, touchy feely type of stuff. There's like can ignite this like fuel in your soul, this like this deep burning passion. I mean, you. I think there's yeah, there's space for everybody to feel deeply. I, I, you know, maybe there's a a scale on which people tap into their emotions, but. I mean, I think my main message to people is that if you do feel those emotions, then please, by all means, feel comfortable acting on them. You know, I think that's super important. And that doesn't matter if you're a guy or a gal or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you want to add in closing? Maybe where people can find you, any information you have. We'll link everything in the show notes that we can and yeah. share it. But anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I think we had a very comprehensive conversation and I just want to say thank you again for thinking of me and for inviting me. It's really fun. I was kind of nervous when Taylor first reached out. I was like, I don't know, should I be on a podcast? I've never been on a podcast. But it's actually like just super comfortable and really nice talking to you guys. So thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome having you on, Nicole. And I feel like it's like liberating, at least it was for me. And I know that like you're the type of person who's really intentional with like putting your voice out there and want to make sure that you convey things in a in the way that you want them to be conveyed. Um, so I appreciate you jumping on. I, this just went awesome for me. I felt like it was a good back and forth between the three of us. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This is great. You've energized me for the week. <laughs> All right, that's good to hear. Thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us, man. That was awesome. I'm inspired by that. I hope your retreat goes fantastically well, as I'm sure it will. And uh, we really, really enjoyed having you on here today. I appreciate it. All right. Till next time.